I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Hey, Pierre, how are you? Hi, Noah. I'm fine. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here and just chat a little bit, hear about uh, your story a little bit. Um, I'm kind of curious to just kind of know more and understand more what it's like to be in your shoes, building like a, a business like you have with Scraping Bee up to the point of, so from what I know, you, you know, you've been working on Scraping Bee for the last two and a half years and you yeah. recently reached 1 million ARR and yeah. it's a small team, right? There's only like three of you, I believe, yeah. um, which is pretty cool that you're, you're able to do that with such a small team. Um, yeah. And I know you took tiny seed funding um, some point along the way. Um, so yeah, like you built this a really cool business. And um, so yeah, I, I'm just curious to hear like, you know, how, how what, what's the kind of the day to day look like for you right now, compared to maybe like the early days, like, you know, two years ago? Yeah, that, that's a good question, especially because we're currently moving a lot of things internally. So day-to-day -day life is changing a lot. So basically, as you said, we used to be a very small team since the early beginnings. So for the last, for the first three years, it was only Kevin and I. So Kevin is my uh, co-founder. And then Etienne joined us last year. He's a developer. And then, yeah, it's been only the three of us, so very small team. But <clears throat> at first, we were kind of proud about it. But it's not mm -hmm. that, good, that good to be such a small team. Uh, because main issue is, first, you, you have to do a lot of things. And mm -hmm. as the product grows and the user base grows, you have you add more and more things to your schedule or to your to-do list and you're not able to be as good as in the early days. So mm -hmm. that was a, the first big issue. One example, for example, is support. So I used to do all the support and we grow, grow, and we had more and more users. And I ended up doing bad support. Support I was not very proud of. You know, because we were such a small team, we didn't want to, to delegate and hire. So actually, last month, I posted uh, a job ad to, to hire some support engineer agent to, to help us. And it began this week, actually. And I can see, you know, it's only been uh, three days and everything changed. Like everything it's like so wow uh, that's one big thing that changed we also tried recently to delegate more and more so for example for content we try to to work more often with talent content writers we also tried like when we want to launch a new feature to try before launching it to think about the content we want to get written and then to have other people than us write that content. Example, like 
we launched uh, two months ago an Integromat integration. And instead of, so Integromat, for those who don't know, it's like very famous knockout tools who allows to do workflows. Mm -hmm. Think of it as in a, a Zapier with a nicer UI. And uh, yeah. instead of writing all the marketing mart material ourselves, we hired some knockout expert to write some uh, blog posts to, to help promote the, the integration. So today is more it's more about managing all those little um, pieces working elsewhere and uh, try to, to gather the results, give feedback, and then, uh, yeah, lots of email, lots of exchange about mm -hmm. all the business support working elsewhere. Whereas in the early days, it, were, it was more about just doing, shipping, doing, and shipping. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I have a follow-up question to that, but first, just so that people know, uh, a little bit more about Scraping Bee because you're, you're the founder of the Scraping Bee and this is kind of the business that we're talking about. And um, yeah, just help us understand a little bit more what Scraping Bee does, what it's, what's like the value proposition that the Scraping Bee gives just so we're kind of have some context on, uh, on the same page of what you're working on. Yeah, sure. So Scraping Bee, it's a web scraping API. So <clears throat> first it's an API. So meaning it's a tool used by developers to, to develop other tools and it's doing web scraping. So what is web scraping? It's gathering uh, publicly available information from the web in an automated way. So for example, mm -hmm. if you're trying to monitor the, your uh, SERP ranking, like your Google ranking of your blog, you're going to scrape Google for, I don't know, uh, a, f a few keywords to monitor the, the the ranking of your articles. Uh, if you have an e-commerce, sometimes you would like to monitor your competitors' prices. So you're going to scrape their uh, e-commerce to, to see the prices mm -hmm. they use. So that's web scraping. And how does scraping be helped? So web scraping at scale is kind of hard. There's two big issues we solve. First, JavaScript rendering. rendering so if you scrape a website in the most simplest way possible, it might not work because that website needs to be scraped through a real uh, internet browser. So Chrome, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do it at scale, you would have to manage all of those Chrome. Uh, so basically some servers full of Chrome and it's going to be a bit tricky. So we do it. And we also manage all the proxy part. So there is a lot of proxy providers available. Some are shady, some are not as uh, reliable as we wish. Some are very expensive. So we use a lot of them. And for each request you make, we will use the best proxy available for you, meaning that you just have to subscribe to Scraping B. You don't have to choose a proxy provider. You don't have to deal with a Chrome, um, with a headless brother thing. You just do a simple API call and you get the, 
the HTML content of the URL. So that's scraping me. That's sweet. That's cool. That sounds like a pretty, you know, complicated product, <laughs> like, you know, especially for like a small team. So I can imagine, you know, as you're talking about, like, you know, getting overwhelmed, just a lot to do. I mean, that is pretty crazy that you're, you guys were able to keep it such a small team for so long. Um, you know, what, what were some of like the stresses along the way, um, you know, in, along the journey that you kind of ran into maybe because you were a small team or just part of running this kind of business? So first, just so you said this product sounds very complicated, but actually it's not that complicated. And one thing that allowed us to stay a small team is that scraping the, especially in the early days, it was just, it was just one API with one endpoint. So we didn't have to do, for example, yeah, the fact that we were an API, for example, I think it's key in the small team thing because when you're an API, you almost have zero front end to manage. Mm -hmm. You don't have lots of product teaching to do. You just write big technical documentation and that's it. Uh, almost all the people who are going to use your product already know how to write some amount of code that's working. So mm -hmm. they are they are already knowledgeable about your product. So yeah, just small thing about the fact that building an API is really cool if you, if you want to stay small. And as a challenge, I think our biggest challenge were a scaling challenge. One of the biggest issue we had was a scaling issue. So neither Kevin and I knows a lot about um, infra stuff, you know, we're very basic about it. So scaling the API to hundreds of millions API call per month was very a big challenge. To solve it, we just, well, lots of Google, lots of Stack Overflow, uh, occasional call to, to expert or friends who I, who I knew solved the same issue at their work. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. And in the early days, especially, we liked to say that we were doing a lot of PDD, like production-driven development. So yeah, trying to, to solve the issue uh, as they went and pushed to production and up that fixing fixes it. So yeah, scaling issue were a big part. And the other part was marketing. Like, how do you do marketing efficiently with a small budget while, while staying a small team? So yeah, those were some. And it sounds like um, for the marketing, you guys have mostly relied on like cart content marketing, SEO, optimizing, you know, writing content and optimizing those for Google to, to find them. How, how did you guys like learn that? I'm, I'm guessing you kind of, you know, as you went, you'd kind of figure out how to do this. But yeah, what's that? What's that kind of like look like now? Like what's your guys' process? Like, do you have a team that helps you do the writing? How do you find like the, the key terms to go for that makes sense? That, that kind of process. Yeah, so in the early days, actually well before Scraping B, Kevin had a blog about web scraping in Java. And his blog was never SEO optimized. He just tried to write 
to yeah, it tried to write the, the best article, the best possible article, and he ended up ranking very well for competitive keywords. He ended up being featured on some IntelliJ blogs and very high quality Java uh, publication. I'm telling you this because we understood that SEO was not that hard if you try to produce the best possible content. So that's what we did in the early days, just trying to write the best possible content, educational content. It was lots of tutorials about web scraping, uh, about API, about HTTP, about parsing, about HTML, all of this. So, and we didn't try to, to stuff too much of scraping into it. Just very educational and very organically it caught up. We had some interesting backlinks. We started to rank on Google and organic traffic began to grow, but then and it was your question, how do you go from this step to the next one? Because we were, I think, at around five, six K organic traffic, and we did lots of educational content. And so we tried, I think, everything. So we tried freelance, it was awful. We tried agency, it was also not that good. Um, we tried, um, I did some kind of experiments with automatic SEO. It didn't work at all. We never published anything. So it was very hard to scale. And now currently we do a lot of things in-house. So because we never managed to outsource most of the process, currently uh, Kevin actually is doing all the SEO. So he's doing lots of keyword research internally, lots of uh, competitive uh, analyzing, you know, you try to see, okay, your competitors are mm -hmm. ranking on those keywords and you don't, and they're not that hard to rank on. So you should probably write some articles about it. So we do all of this internally, but for the writing part, those last two and a half years, we managed to build a small network of content writers. It's not really content writer, it's more programmers we like to write some contents from time to time. And that's very important difference, mm -hmm. especially if you're building a technical product because someone who's, who is used to write about, I don't know, promoting email marketing or uh, fancy, uh, fancy woodwork, he won't be able to write about a web scraping API. So it's easier to try to find a programmer who like write than a writer who knows about web scraping. So we built that small network of writers and now from time to time we send them pitches like uh, would you be able to write about this subject? I know you like Java, we have this right articles we'd like to write. And uh, yeah, we Kevin write pitches, send them to the writers receive response, analyze, review, usually send back the articles so the writers can make a few tweaks and we then publish it on the blog. Yeah, that's cool. And it's cool that you have kind of that network of writers to kind of help with this. 
that, yeah. that seems like a, a really good idea for, especially for your products, since like you said, it's like very technical and stuff like that. I'm curious, like, you know, can you kind of give like an estimate of like how many like blog posts and articles and posts like have you have you guys done like up to this point? I think around around fifty. Okay. Around 50. We 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 used to. Yeah, be... that that's good. That just kind of gives give an idea. Yeah, yeah. We used to publish one or two articles per month, and now it's more one per week. We. We never had a goal to publish as much as possible because we think it's not a good North Star, but uh, we're definitely scaling up the publishing uh, speed. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, in the last two and a half years, like your role has kind of changed. Like you were, you know, kind of doing everything, uh, you and Kevin yourself. Um, and like doing all the code, stuff like that, where now it kind of sounds like you're, you're managing a team um, a little bit and just doing more of like the managing kind of work. And I know, you know, a lot of indie hackers, I think why they kind of get into it is they like to create things, they kind of like to build things on their own. Um, so have you, and, and I'm guessing that's why you probably, you know, got into it and started doing this kind of stuff. Have you, you know, how did you do that transition? Like, have you enjoyed that transition? Do you still enjoy work the same way? Or do you miss some of those kind of like being able to like just building stuff? Um, yeah, how's that transition kind of looked for you? So I feel like the transition is not yet complete. Like occasionally from time to time, I keep myself some, some technical nudge or some issue or some feature request that I just like to code. So I take one hour, two hour, I just develop it, push to production and uh, and it's done. Also some big project like the, for example, the whole redesigned integration, I'm going to do it. So uh, I'm not a full manager yet, but so far I like it because I work with people who are much better at their job than I used to be when I was doing theirs. So I don't know if it's clear, but like, for example, the, the person working with me as a support, like I'm reading his tickets and is two times, 10 times better than I used to be. And so I'm actually still learning a lot, just seeing how those people are working. And uh, so, so yeah, I enjoy it because Although I no longer do as much as I used to do, I still learn a lot. And that's something very important for me. And that makes that whole transition uh, bearable and enjoyable. Yeah, that, that is, that does sound pretty fun. Cause like, I, I think that like learning, like learning new things and just, you know, getting better at your craft. Like, I think that is one of the funnest things to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's kind of cool where it sounds like you've put yourself in a position where it's like, you know, you're, you're the co-founder of this company, but then there's still like so much to learn. There's so much to do. And then you can bring experts around you, you know, basically, you know, people that are better at specific areas. And then you just kind of keep learning from them. Um, that does sound like a pretty, <laughs> like a pretty good uh, way to go. Pretty good gig. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just thinking about like, yeah, the, the kind of work that you want to do, like, do you feel like you've, you really 
have been able to do that with building your own SaaS, doing this kind of thing? Like, is this like, like the dream job you think, like the dream job for you? I don't think so because uh, one thing I don't have that I, I'm trying to get is peace of mind, is like being able to plug off from the job, you know? And I've never been able to do it for the last two and a half years because even when I'm not on the computer, there's this like small voice in my head, like are scraping the servers still up? Do you have <laughs> your biggest customer not angry at you on the support, especially during the weekend? So my dream job would be like scraping B, but being able to, you know, after 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 5 p.m., whatever, being able to just shut the computer and get focused entirely on something else. So we're trying to get to that place, but it's a slow process. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's definitely a problem. You know, I struggle with that myself. I feel like a lot of indie hackers, people bootstrapping businesses that, you know, when it's a small business, there's so much that you're in charge of and yeah. there's so much responsibility on you that like it is hard to kind of turn that off. But I don't know, I, I wonder if like, can we actually completely get there? Because at the same time, I think in some ways that's what makes it fun is like that you are like you, the reason you think about it all the time probably is because you like enjoy the work, like you're, you're motivated to do well in it. And I think, you know, that's important to enjoy our work as well. So I feel like, you know, at some point when you're able to turn it off, does that also mean that when you are working on it, it's not as maybe exciting, not as motivating? Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't gotten to that place myself either, but I don't know, curious if you think that that's, you know, if that's like even possible. I, I think there's two things here, like then the, there is a moment where you're like, where you are like, I don't know, you take a walk alone and you think about your product because you enjoy it and because you have this partnership ID or this feature ID or you read an article about someone who did a redesign and you're like, oh, that's cool. I, I wish I could do that with Potion, for example. and. So for me, that's the good part of not being able to plug off, like, because you're right, you enjoy your product, you're, you enjoy building things, and you just want to, to get better and better at it. So you're always in, in a idea mode. But the part I was talking mm -hmm. about was more like, let's say you're, I don't know, in a family dinner, you know, and you have your phone, and it's the screen is hidden and you're like, okay, maybe I should check if everything <laughs> is right, if nothing is done as a servers and you're not able to be 100% here with your family. That part is definitely something I'd like to fix in the, in the future. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's, yeah, that's definitely something I struggle with, you know, had having like server issues yeah. late at night when like we're in the middle of like a family event or something. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the best. Um, 
I mean, I guess what I think is like would be kind of my dream scenario. I think obviously like SaaS, like SaaS is awesome. And I think you've kind of seen that where, you know, you can, you can depend on this revenue to come in every month. Like that's amazing. Um, I think, and so maybe what I'm saying is pretty, maybe it's the exact same thing as what you were saying is like your dream kind of situation. But I guess, yeah, I kind of see it as like a, having a business that's probably a SaaS that just kind of works. Like it's, it's kind of like your cash cow that like it works. Maybe you ha have some people in place that handle some of the things. So not all the responsibilities on you anymore, but like it, it takes care of you financially. So you don't have to worry about finances. So then it kind of frees me up to have time to basically just build things and just like try other little side projects, little businesses where it's, it's kind of almost more for fun, like just like seeing if I can take on a challenge of building a new business, but there's no like pressure on it. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be like sinking tons of money and investment into it. It'd more so just be for the fun of like building stuff. And in some ways I feel like the pressure, like the pressure and responsibilities you have on something like, you know, it motivates you, but it's also kind of what can make things hard or just not as fun. Um, so I feel like maybe having that kind of perfect balance where you have something that's kind of working and you have some people to help with it, but then I can just build stuff and enjoy the building part without necessarily having the pressure of, I have to make this work or like, we're going to be in trouble, stuff like that. So maybe, maybe that's kind of what you were saying with like being able to do other, make other things on the side. Is, is that kind of what you're yeah. picturing? Yeah, exactly. I think. I don't think it would necessarily be some other, um, I don't know, other um, ah, product online, other SaaS or digital businesses. I think, yeah, I'd like, I don't know, maybe to, to be able to free up maybe two days a week and learn something entirely new. Like, I'd like to learn how to cook in a professional way to do some kind of formation here to learn to cook, for example, or woodworking also has been something on the back of my head for a few times. So, so yeah, that, that sounds like fun, but you know, the part when you said you just have to find someone who operates the business for you, I think it's much harder <laughs> than it sounds. And, uh, yeah. and also we are a bit accountable. So I'm accountable towards of course, Kevin, my uh, partner, associate, towards our investor. So for now, it would be out of question to to not work full time on scraping B. But I hope that maybe in one, two or three years, we'll be able to, to move things around in a way that would allow me to mm -hmm. have more free time, definitely. That's cool. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, just kind of your sharing on Twitter and like just how you, you guys, you very transparently share about kind of your business, your metrics, which is really awesome. Like, I think there's a lot people can learn from following along and seeing the stuff you're sharing. So I was curious, like what, what made you start doing that and like basically have the, take the time to share kind of the behind the scenes and be so transparent about the business? So, yeah, sure. So actually, at first, I didn't do it on Twitter at all. I did it on a Hindi hacker. And um, what made us do it was 
Indie Acker really brought us lots of inspiration. And I remember especially the interview parts and the product parts. Like we saw some product and we were like, damn, this is making 20K a month. This is awesome. I could have built that. Or other people were just building some small side product, side project next to their uh, full-time job. And they would share, okay, we use that stack. In the early days, I was very technically focused. Like I thought that this was really important. So mm -hmm. they would share how they build it, how they acquired new customer, their, the revenue they got. And I found, found it very cool because I could relate to them. Like when I used to read TechCrunch articles about people raising, I don't know, $100 million, it felt, it felt like another world. Like I was not able to relate to those people. But on IndiaCur, reading all those uh, open stories uh, really inspired me. So we tried to do a bit of the same thing. Uh, at first with SpricingBot, which was our first failed SaaS before scraping B. And it was fun to share, you know, the small, the very small milestone at the beginning. So first user, product and launch, first customer, $100 MRR, $200. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing the response and all. And then we moved to Twitter. And on Twitter, it was fun. It was a way to not to attract customers because we knew customer, uh, people on Twitter wouldn't necessarily, necessarily uh, be interested in web scraping. But it was really a way to connect with lots of like-minded people who wanted to, to build also their own little SaaS and grow it. So yeah, I enjoyed it for, for this reason. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's kind of the same reasons that I like to share on on Twitter and do the same thing. Have you seen any like negatives to like the building in public kind of sharing transparently um, as you've gone? So obviously there is a whole copycat things. So we got a ton of those. So yeah, you know, like scraping and then any animal you could think of has been probably created. <laughs> so we got dog, we got fly, mosquitoes, uh, and yeah, a wall zoo of scraping mosquito. <laughs> yeah, like, or maybe it's scraping fly. Uh, yeah, something like that. And uh, a wall zoo of, uh, of competitor slash um, copycats because we definitely got people who just, you know, copy pasted our whole landing page, documentation, pricing, whatever. So I think that was some downside. And of course, you'll hear people telling you, you know, copycat, they can't win because they're not as motivated as you as whatever. But it just in the end, it's not good, you know, and I don't know, like, Let's assume we have 10 copycats. It kind of eats away at your mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. Especially when, you know, 
you you have some good idea that get insta stolen by others but whatever i mean if i had to 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 pick a downside i'd pick this one the other one would be i mean i wouldn't want to to attract too much attention from people not willing you know from ill-intentioned people about our business so don't know could be hackers could be people who try to scam you in a raising fund or whatever so i think this could be another downside like sharing all those numbers publicly is cool but it can definitely make you a target either from competitors or from mm -hmm. uh, other kind of people. So that would be my two biggest downside. But if I had to make a balance, for me, the upside were definitely bigger than the, the downsides. So I'm happy we did it. We stopped sharing our revenue last year, I think, because it felt it felt like bragging because between i'm not saying that everyone sharing their revenue past 1 million arr is bragging not at all but for us it felt like we were all just doing the same thing all over again so not that many insights to share and between uh, uh i don't know 80 or for 60,000 MRR and 70,000 MRR is basically the same. It's the same business, same problem, same products, same issues. So yeah, we, we stopped doing it, but now that the business is changing a bit more, you know, with working with different people, I'm sharing a bit more about the, the, the business. Although I'm not sharing revenue anymore, I think there's many other things to share that could interest uh, other people. Uh, at least I hope. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, I think it's it's really cool to be able to look in and see kind of what 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 it takes to run a business like at the point that you're at, and just for people to understand that even if you know they're not there yet to be able to look down the road and be able to actually make decisions like, okay, what kind of business do I want to create? And, and it really is inspiring, I think, too, to be able to see those kind of stories and kind of just give you some motivation and reason to go out and, and build uh, yourself. Um, so I definitely appreciate following that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm, I know other people do as well. Um, well, this has been awesome, Pierre. Thanks for sharing with us. I know we're kind of short on time. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing your journey. It's been really awesome to kind of see kind of some insights into to what it's like um, to be where you're at building a scraping bee. So really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Noah. Had a very good time and uh, good luck to you too with, uh, with passion and uh, see you around. Thanks, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you everyone, everyone for listening. We'll uh, see you in another episode.